Uh, my name's Joshua. I wasn't here last week, so I just feel like chit-chatting as a friend right now, but I should probably get to the point. Uh, first of all, happy birthday, Ethos! Some of y'all are like, what do you mean? What church says happy birthday to themselves? Uh, we do. Uh, we're seven years old. The Ruby, not Ethos. Like we here are seven. We here, tis thou, seven years old. And I was thinking about like a seven-year-old. That's kind of old. At that point, do you have any baby teeth? I think we got adult teeth, y'all, or at least some of them, right? We know the pain and the progress of losing baby teeth at this point. We're, we're leaving the tricycle. We're full on trying to learn how to ride a bike, gaining our balance. Uh, we're probably crushing on another church, but showing that we're crushing on them by like hitting them or picking on them. Like, we're a seven-year-old church, you know what I mean? It's cool. We're still immature and young, but we're old enough to say stuff. Anyway, all right, I got lost in that. That was in my notes. Everything I just said out loud, I planned to say. So that's not good. All right. Anyway, I don't know if you come from a church that celebrates birthdays uh, very often. Um, it's something that we really care about here at Ethos. We take it as a chance to really like soak in. Hey, you made it another year. And isn't that kind of what birthdays are? I mean, it's kind of weird when you think about it. You're just like, hey, you're still alive. Let's party, <laughs> you know? Like, you've been alive for a whole other year. Let's just give you a cake and talk about it, you know what I mean? Um, so we just try to take a chance to celebrate birthdays and go, man, Ethos HV has been around for another year somehow. And y'all, think about the past year, the past year and a half maybe. We've been around another year. Good for us. This is cool. You guys are here. I haven't even met you guys. So cool that you're here. And I'm just so thankful. Like somehow people are still showing up here after 15 months of not being here in person, we're here. So anyway, this whole talk about birthdays, all this birthday talk <laughs> made me start researching birthdays. You ever done that with something simple that you've always done? And you're like, wait, why, why have I always done that? Has anyone ever researched birthdays and why that happens? You wanna know what happens? You wanna know how it all happened? All right. Birthdays started in ancient Egypt, and it was only for the Pharaoh, which makes a ton of sense. You guys know how Pharaoh is. He's a, he's a cocky guy. And so that's when it all started. And then the Greeks, I have to look at my notes because I did not memorize this. The Greeks used birthdays to celebrate their gods. And I even read something to the effect that they would blow out candles or a flame to guard against evil spirits. Something like that. So look it up. I don't know. Um, the Romans, shout out the Romans, they're not great in the New Testament. Bad history with the Christians. But as for birthdays, they were the first to celebrate non-religious mere mortals being born. All right? So shout out to the Romans. Christians didn't adopt birthday celebrations until around the fourth century, and that was only to evangelize. They were trying to relate to the culture around them. Shout out Christians. They're always keeping the main thing, the main thing. They're like, you know what? We're gonna celebrate birthdays too, but it's only so you'll know about Jesus. And so we started celebrating Jesus and Christmas. That's Jesus's birthday, right? That's fourth century, all right? That's a long time ago. Um, I don't know how many years ago that is, but y'all got it. Um, all right. Um, so they started with Jesus and Christians. Um, and then also shout out like clocks and calendars. That really helped us figure out how long it's been. That was a big deal. So I, I thought about how funny that is when the calendar just came to be and they're like, I know exactly how long ago my birthday was. And that was a new thing at one point. That's cool. Now the industrial age, 
I still don't fully know what that means, but they just started making stuff and they could scale it. That's what I think of. I don't know if that's right. The industrial age is what made birthday cakes affordable. So birthdays were no longer just for rich people. They could make them in mass and you could go and buy a cake that's no telling how old from Publix or Kroger or whatever. The date says it was made yesterday, but you know, who really knows? And so, um, so you could buy pre-made cakes. Now, are you guys still here for the birthday talk? Because it, it gets, it's just really fun for me. 1860 to 1880, probably the first time we started seeing birthdays be a thing for like everybody. Come one, come all, everybody celebrating their birthday. I'm gonna tell you about two sisters, powerful people. Their names are Patty and Mildred. If that's not an 1800s pair of names right there. They wrote a song called Good Morning to All in 1893. That sounds unrelated. It was unrelated until 1924 when Robert Coleman published a songbook with added lyrics, happy birthday to you, okay? The new version was used by Irving Berlin in 1933 in a play and it took off. Everyone began to remember these two sisters and their song, but they only remember the part the sisters didn't write. Happy birthday to you. That's how the song came to be. And guys, I kid you not, it's believed that the copyright to the original version extends to 2030 and the sisters, their family to this day, every year receive $2 million because of that infringement, I guess. I don't know why they're getting $2 million a year. I wish my great, great, great grandma would have written a good song. You know what I mean? It's pretty cool. And so, just so we know, the birthday song is a sham and kind of illegal, and we're all kind of felons for singing it. I, I, I don't know what to say. Like, the sisters and their family to this day are still just getting millions of dollars because we're breaking the law every time. Anyway, um, all right, so now, nowadays, birthdays as we know them, they're a little bit more emotional, a little bit more sentimental, a little bit more pinatas and photo shoots and themes, and we're really excessive. And even that is because we have less children nowadays. Back in the day, you'd crank out children just to have a workforce in your family. Like, does anyone else have parents that have like 10 siblings? My dad is one of nine. It's like, why? Because they needed help around the house. You know what I mean? Like, and so with that, it was like, oh, it's your birthday, congrats. There's eight other of you. We don't care, right? But now that we have less kids, now that we're more developed, we don't need kids on their workforce, right? We just need them to feel loved. And so we just are like, all right, you like dinosaurs? Let's throw a T-Rex-themed birthday party. Let's be sweet. Let's tell you how amazing you are, right? So that's where birthdays have come today. There's your birthday lesson. I don't know why I told it to you. So birthdays are weird, right? There's something that, at least I think for us, we grew up expecting them, expecting some version of a celebration. And they're so normal that if you didn't have one, you probably felt the sting of that, right? Because birthdays are just normal. Um, but now we really just use birthdays to reflect, to think about life, to think about the past year. I don't know what you guys do with your friends on their birthdays, but for me, uh, almost every time with my family or my close friends, We'll sit around a fire or eat a good meal at a restaurant or whatever we're doing, we're celebrating. But before we end the night, we'll take some time to go, hey, let's all just pause and use your birthday as an excuse to just lavish encouragement on you. Let's think about your life this past year. We'll ask good questions. Hey, when you think about your last year, I would encourage you to do this sometime with your friends, whether it's their birthday or not. But when you think about the last year, where have you seen God in your life or what are you thankful for? What are some of the themes of the last year? 
And it will take time to look into the future, right? When you think about the next year, what are you hoping for? What's your bucket list? What's five things you hope you see happen before your next birthday? And I think that's a really good way to use birthdays, just as a milestone. Hey, it's been a year. Let's pause and think about the year it's been and really name, like, what happened? What are some good things that you're never gonna forget? Like in 20 years, when you remember this past year of your life, what do you think will stand out? And that's what we're gonna do as a church today, is to kind of think about the last year and where we saw God. But this isn't really a birthday idea. This invitation to stop, to pause, to reflect, to think back on the past. Like this is a thing that's been around long before mere mortals like us got to celebrate birthdays. And so I wanna invite you to Joshua chapter four. Joshua is a book in the Bible. It is also my name. But when I invite you to Joshua, I'm talking about the book of the Bible. So if you have a Bible, turn that to the book of Joshua. Um, If you're not familiar with that book, go to the very beginning of your Bible and then just start thumbing to the right. You should be there after about six books um, that you'll get past. So the book of Joshua chapter four. All right. Um, now we're going to focus in on, on verse 20. Uh, but until, before I read that, I actually want to give you quite a bit of uh, context, okay? Um, I need to cough really quick. It's allergies. Chill out. <coughs> All right. Um, do you guys, Nashville is so crazy. There are fall allergies. Gosh, what are the odds? Um, anyway. All right. So Joshua chapter four. So we've been in this series The series is called God Is. And every week we're filling in the blank with a different characteristic. God is everlasting. God is all powerful. God is just, God is whatever else. And so every week that we've had this series, we've started typically in Exodus. This story of a guy named Moses, he meets God in the burning bush, right? I mean, we've done this at nauseum. You guys know this story. So they... Moses with God leads the people out of Israel. But in Exodus, the promise that God has made to them is not completed yet. So what God has promised them is not just that he will deliver him from something, something, (laughs) okay. Uh, Now he wouldn't just deliver them from Egypt, okay? But he would deliver them to a promised land. So just side note, God doesn't just wanna take you from slavery. He wants to take you to a life of freedom. That'll preach, but we'll do that later, all right? So in Joshua, they are in transit. They've been delivered from Egypt and they are headed to the promised land just as God promised. So this is the continuation of that story. On their way to the promised land, all right, that has flourishing in the waiting, the people approach the Jordan River, okay? a body of water that stands in the way of God's promises being fulfilled. Does that sound familiar to anybody? Okay, that's not the first time a body of water has gotten in the way of the people of Israel. So if you remember back in Exodus, the last time this happened, it was the Red Sea. The Israelites were fleeing Egypt. Pharaoh had a quick change of heart, said, "Never mind. I don't want you to leave come back and they need to leave quickly. And God parts the waters. He parts the Red Sea so the Israelite people can cross on dry land. All right, that happens. If you're like me, 
until late in my adult life, I didn't realize that this happened a second time. This happens in the book of Joshua, all right? So the people approach the Jordan River, classic body of water in front of God's people. <laughs> Heard that story before. Um, and what they do is they camp out for a few days, two or three days, they pitch tents, they sleep there. And I, I don't know what they're thinking. Like, I wonder if this is just our new version of the promised land, are we never gonna cross? But at some point God instructs them. He says, okay, um, I'm, I'm gonna part these waters. I'm gonna stop the Jordan River from flowing and you will once again cross on dry land, okay? So it's a stunning moment. The Jordan River stops flowing, the land is dried up, and the entire nation of Israel crosses safely, all right? So I don't know what you picture or if you let yourself like believe these stories to be true, but I like to think about like, what did the river sound like? If you ever like sat beside a rushing river and then just, thank you, Tabitha, and then just imagine that noise just coming to a halt and at some point the water just stops and then the water remaining just kind of, you just happy trails, it's gone and, and there's just dry land, right? So they cross safely. And after they cross, God gives them a really awesome instruction. He tells them, are you guys here? Were you ready? Come on, baby. Yeah, let's go. All right. So God tells Joshua, he says, hey, before you leave, make sure you get 12 stones which represents the 12 tribes of Israel. Dig into that later. But the 12 group, people groups of Israel, basically, okay? He says, get 12 stones. It's symbolic of the entire nation of Israel. Take it with you and build an altar with those stones, okay? This is super sick. So we're gonna read. Uh, verses 20 through 24, okay? Here we go. Actually, we'll start in 19. So the people come up out of the Jordan that dry land, on the 10th day of the first month. Huh, they're working with a calendar. I didn't even notice that. And they encamped at Gilgal on the east border of Jericho. And those 12 stones, which they took out of the Jordan, Joshua set up at Gilgal. And he said to the people of Israel, when your children ask their fathers in times to come, what do these stones mean then let your children know, Israel passed over the Jordan on dry ground. For the Lord your God dried up the waters of the Jordan for you until you passed over, just as the Lord your God did to the Red Sea, which he dried up for us until we passed over. So that all the peoples of the earth may know that at the hand of the Lord, oh, wait, sorry, that the hand of the Lord is mighty, that you may fear the Lord your God forever. All right, so we're just gonna explore this for a few minutes, then we're gonna do a little something, something together and it'll be sweet and fun and nostalgic, okay? So we don't really build altars nowadays, fair? I don't wanna assume anything of your life experience. I feel safe in assuming you haven't built an altar super recently. So naturally, there's a little bit of a gap here. They took some stones, they stacked them up and it meant something special. What is that? That's weird, right? So I want us to think about like memorials or statues, right? What do they do? They stand out, right? They catch your eye. If you've ever been to Washington, D.C., honestly, memorials are kind of a dime a dozen, but they're really special every time, right? Like they're everywhere. But juxtaposed to the surroundings, the memorials stand out. They make you want to look at them. They make you curious. 
because they're just so different. Like when you see the Lincoln Memorial, you don't naturally want to stay away from it. You naturally want to walk closer to it and read about it. And like, why did they build such a massive stone figure man in the middle of the city? What's happening? Why is that happening? And naturally there's just this inquisitive, is that the right word? Okay. I don't know how to follow that word up, but there's an interest. <laughs> there's this inquisitive, yeah, there's inquisitive. And, uh, but there's this thing that draws your attention. You wanna learn more. And that's really all this altar is. That's how it's functioning. It makes people look at it and go, what is that? So God has them build this so that when kids say, mom, dad, like, what is that? Why are all these stones stacked so peculiarly? This is special. We don't see this as we travel very often that they can remember. Like, well, guys, like when we were kids, we were at the Red Sea or maybe we weren't even born yet, but our parents tell us stories of of Moses parting the Red Seas and we thought it was a cool story. We think we remember how it was, but we kind of doubted it. But I, I kid you not, Uh, as we got older, we came to another body of water and God did it again. (laughs) He stopped the river and we built this so that we'll never forget. We'll never forget that God actually showed up like for real. And he doesn't do that every day. He doesn't part waters every day. It was a very special day and one that we didn't want to forget. And so that's why I built this altar to remember that God showed up. And I can just see them telling the story like, guys, you should have heard what it sounded like for that river to slow down, to cease altogether. I can still hear how the feet sounded as they crossed. I mean, a million people like crossing this river. Like they, I can remember what it sounded like, the murmuring, the, the mesmerization, the, oh, can you guys believe this? Like, keep it cool. We're supposed to believe this was supposed to happen anyway. So just, just walk, don't stare too much. You know, like they just remember this moment and they get to share it. And I think this is a really good idea. This is a good practice for just humanity because it reminds you of something important. This is their ancient way of setting a reminder. This is a notification made of stone, right? Like, hey, remember, like God did this, right? And why is that? Why did they need to set up something that they couldn't miss, that was so visual that they had to see it and think about it? Like they weren't doing it intuitively. They saw it and they went, oh yeah, that's right, right? Why is this important? Because people are forgetful, right? That's not a modern thing. That's a human thing. We forget stuff. Does anyone set just all the reminders? Like on your way from work, hey, remind me to tell my family I love them. All right, good, because I'm gonna forget, right? You know, like that's dark. It's not true. I hope it's not you. But like, do you do that? Like remind me to put milk in my cereal bowl. Like I forget, remind me to get my car keys. I can't drive without them. Like, like I set the most insane reminders and they're already on my calendar, but then I have a reminder to make sure I don't forget the calendar reminder. You know what I'm saying? Why? Because we're forgetful. Do you guys not use reminders? Does anyone use them? Show of hands. Yeah, I use them all the time. Okay, because we're forgetful, right? We forget stuff. And if you ever stopped and tried to just remember like, what is your week gonna look like? And it's just hopeless. Like, I don't remember. I gotta pull up a calendar and hopefully I typed it out. And if it didn't, I'm gonna forget it. Because life can be so fast paced and so chaotic that important things just slip our minds. And it's not always because we're evil or we're irresponsible. It's just because y'all, there's a lot going on. And we live in a world where a lot begs for our attention, right? And I don't know about you, 
But oftentimes, my mind drifts towards the things that are yelling for my attention the most. My closest friends know that one of my growth areas is emotional maturity. And all of you are like, shocker, uh, you know? Uh, you're emotional, no way. Um, but that's just true of me, right? You could meet me on a Monday at three. Hey, how are you? I know you had a really hard week. I'm great. Monday's been amazing, predictable. It's what I thought it would be. I, life is great. Tuesday at three, how are you? Y'all, just for real, pray for me. Like, it's been really hard. Uh, I had an extra meeting added that I forgot about. And it's just like, I don't know, I'm not a good leader. I'm just not, like, it's just how it is. You know what I mean? Like, I don't know if you guys are like that, but I tend to like gravitate toward my emotions that day, right? And so I think this lesson that God is teaching the people of Israel is really important. He understands that we have a tendency to forget where we've seen the hand of God in our life. One, we're forgetful, but two, he understands just the pace of life. I mean, the, the Israelite people didn't have iPhones, but man, they had a promised land to go and get. They had some conquests in their future. They had some chaos in their future. And God knew, like, you might not default, remember the things I've done, right? Remember where I've shown up. And the, le- the next time you come to a body of water or some other metaphor for a Jordan River, you might be prone to panic, to forget, to doubt, to be scared. And so what these reminders do, they have serious benefits. They give us perspective, right? Like has anyone ever been in a panic and talked to someone who had peace in their heart and they spoke perspective over you? And you went, yeah, all right, yeah, yeah, okay. Sometimes I I bring my worry into conversations with my friends and I accidentally have this goal. I want to communicate my worry so much that I see you get worried. So we'll know we have a right to be worried. And then my mentors are so mature and and so they won't get worried with me. And instead they'll speak perspective and stupid stuff like life experience, you know, and it's just like, I do not want to hear that. I am 30, that's not my generation's thing. Uh, but, But man, when you talk to a friend, who just speaks perspective or a parent or someone that's older. It's like when we choose to talk to someone who can remember some of the bigger picture things, when they can challenge you to to look back on your story. Hey, wait, remember this? I remember you speaking similarly here. What, What did God do in that season for you? You're like, no, no, no. Don't make me remember God's faithfulness right now. I wanna be panicked, right? But I can think of several conversations I've had where where remembering gave me perspective. It slowed my heart rate down. Choosing to remember where God has moved in our life, in our church's life, can turn panic into peace. It helps you breathe. Without getting into detail, it's been hard to breathe this past week. There's been plenty of panic around my life. And I have needed faithful friends to remind me of God's faithfulness to give me perspective, to help turn down the volume on my panic and turn up the volume on the peace of God. Choosing to remember where you've seen God's hand on your life, it helps turn your fear into faith. And I know that was an alliteration and a very pastor thing to do. That's a real transition that that God can do. He'll help you go from being scared of the current season or whatever this thing is, it's nagging in your heart and mind 
and we, we choose to remember to be still and remember where we've seen God's hand and his provision in our life, slowly he speaks peace. Like in Luke 8, Jesus to the disciples, where's your faith? Because he knows if you had faith, fear would not be present. And remembering God's faithfulness just tones down the fear. I remember watching this movie, Jojo Rabbit. It's a beautiful movie. It sounds like a very cute title, but the movie itself is actually pretty heavy. If you haven't seen it, it's a really good movie. It merges like comedy and really hard things together in a, in a really beautiful way. But without saying much about the movie, there's this quote. I think I wanna get it tatted on me at some point. I'm gonna read it to you. You guys fill it out, let me know. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Please don't tell me if you don't want me to get it tatted because I think I'm going to. Anyway, here's a quote at the end of the movie. Just imagine you've seen a really powerful movie. Let everything happen to you, beauty and terror, just keep going, no feeling is final. And imagine you've been through some emotional turmoil while watching a film and you felt some real highs and real lows. And at the end it says, don't try to be tight fisted with all your feelings, let it happen. Beauty and terror. In other words, this too shall pass, that kind of language. And that quote came to my mind. I've needed that quote this week. I don't know about you in this season of life, but sometimes it's good to remember, oh yeah, temporary, temporary. But to add some Christian thought to that quote, God is final. His ways are final. This series, God is a God of peace and his peace does not change with the season. His peace always remains the same. His faithfulness, right? Every week what we've done is we've looked at the Old Testament, we've looked at the New Testament, and then we've looked at 2020. 2021, I don't usually say it like that, 2021. And we tried to track how, guys, see how the stories are different, but God's the same. See how that happens. And when we choose to remember God's faithfulness, we root ourselves into a God that hasn't shifted with our life. He hasn't changed with our circumstances. Maybe we need to adjust our frequency, but God is still present in you, around you, in your life. So God has been involved in our church family in the past year. And even more specifically, one thing I believe is that God has been involved in your life. And if you don't know that, I think I would argue if you'd slow down long enough, think long enough, meditate long enough, you would begin to see like stars in the sky, when you've been inside, when the lights are on, you go outside and you look up and you can't see stars, but the longer you stare and your eyes adjust to the dark, then you're like, oh wait, I. I actually, I can't even count them all at this point. You guys know what that is like? When we slow down long enough, I believe you'll see in your personal life, the stars will show up. Oh, that's right. In this past year, God, you were faithful here. You touched me here. You brought healing here. And so um, in, heart, in, in kind of the heart of a lot of the things we do here at HV, I just wanna take five minutes to let you Think back on your last year. And I'll, we're gonna think about the Ruby too, but I wanna start with you thinking about the last year of your life. And much like the people of Israel at the Jordan River, if they looked back, there'd be some powerful memories and there'd be some sad ones, some troubling ones. They'd have memories of fear and confusion and they'd also have uh, memories of faithfulness and God's goodness. And today, knowing that we have memories of everything, of all the things, 
I wanna invite us to think about God's faithfulness, to name where we've seen the Lord. Or maybe if you're not comfortable with thinking about God in this way, maybe just think about the past year and several things that you're genuinely so thankful for, no matter how big or small, things that mattered in a hard year, okay? And so we're gonna play some moody music. I'm gonna ask you to write them down in your phone, on a piece of paper somewhere, okay? And really think and meditate on where you've seen the hand of God. And then we're gonna circle up and share one or two. It'll be okay, we'll do good, all right? So go ahead and do it. Four or five minutes, I'll keep time. But really think about your life, picture it. Go back into some memories. Find God's faithfulness in your life, in the big or small. Even in a year, if your year was marked by despair, I believe you'll find God's faithfulness in it. So let's do that for a few minutes and we'll come back as a, as a family, okay? Boom. All right, next phase. Um, I wanna invite you to physically, there's communion on the ground, so just be careful. That was my decision, probably a bad decision. Um, but I just wanna invite you, circle up your chairs with three or four other people. If you came alone and you have the boldness to awkwardly look around and be like, hey, can I join you? Please do that. Absolutely. We're trying to be a family that's connected here. So if you see someone on their own and you want to extend a helping hand, but let's circle up in groups of three to four or five people and share two things that you thought of. We can do it quick, but we'll do that for like four or five minutes. But I'd love for y'all to share. Share with someone else. Where'd you see God's activity in your life? Go for it. Be bold. Have courage. Believe in you. I know it's awkward. Break through the awkwardness. You're fine. All right, great job. I hope, I hope I'm interrupting some really rich conversation. I don't wanna interrupt you, but if I am gonna interrupt you, I hope it was going good. I hope you're bummed. You guys can put your chairs back. This next part will be us as a collective. To, uh, to everyone that's here for the first time, man, shout out you. Thank you for being willing to do something unique. Uh, my assumption is you're not used to circling up chairs like this and just kind of handing off the participation to you guys. So thank you guys for rolling with that. I wanna invite us into a second point of reflection um, and we'll do this as a family, but um, I, I wanted to think about Hillsborough Village, uh, the Ruby, this sweet family. I, I know we've only been back in person since June. I know we were virtual since a long time ago. And, uh, but I, I just wanna think about this family. And I, I know that I have things that I, I think of in God's favor and his blessing on this family. But um, for like two or three minutes, uh, you can stare at me awkwardly if you want, uh, or you can put your head down. But, uh, but think about where have we seen God's hand in this church family? Um, where have you seen the Lord? Or where have you been blessed by the Lord in this church family? And that sounds like a pat on the back question. It's really not. I'm trying to name like, I have been supremely blessed by being in this family, right? And it's just fun to say that out loud. And so, yeah, for like two or three minutes, think back on the last year and think about where you've seen God here, why you're thankful for the Lord's presence at the Ruby. And then we're gonna, we're gonna share. Um, the little polka dots under your seat, um, the hope there is that eventually you write one or two things down about where you've seen God and then you turn them into our little mailbox. I'll tell you more about it later. And then we're gonna make a little uh, visual and bring it back next week. And it should be pretty cute and festive if we all do it. So if you don't, I'm gonna have to write down on like 30 of them. So. so for like one or two minutes, we can just be quiet for a second. Think about where you've seen God here. And then I'm gonna open up the floor and just ask you to share uh, whatever comes to mind. 
Yeah, as you guys keep thinking, I just want to open up the floor. Just feel free to, to share out loud. Just where have we seen? Where do you feel like you've experienced the presence of God here, the blessing of God in this church family? Let's talk about it. Yeah, go for it. Um, for me, I think like, I know online church is not ideal, but it was definitely like really special to me because my only other like connection was my on-campus ministry, which could like no longer be so I feel like I just like really really needed the online services and um, the people in the chat are always so nice and welcoming even though none of them knew me we love college students high and they're so nice even though little did they know I was maybe watching in bed amen what better place to have church Sounds that sounds amazing I wish I could do that right now as a kid, I always thought I wanted a waterbed, but I, I don't feel like that actually. Um, hey, that's seriously so cool. If you heard us trying, the team in the background, trying to say, hey guys, the chat matters. I know it doesn't feel like it does, but it does. Thank you. I'm gonna tell our whole team that you just said that. It'll be very redemptive. Um, what else? Where else have you seen the Lord? A lot of new babies. It's so true. Thank you, babies. We shout out the babies. Way to go. Way to go. That's literally one of the ones I wrote down is all of our new parents, all of our young children. I just feel like God has just blessed us out of nowhere, which is super cool. Uh, Kennard. Uh, I'd say time in the community. For me, I was about to like, check out Nashville, which you really have done by December. And like, being connected and connected with a lot of us in the country, it's just been a blessing um, for the past month and a half. Same. Love you. What else? Prepping you for a while is an understatement. Uh, you've been prepped by the Lord. Thank you. That's awesome. Love you. What else? Keep it going. That's awesome. That's true. So good. Come on. Keep it going. Um, I don't know if this is because Gentry and I have started to put more effort, or if it's, um, and like we, we didn't see it before, or um, if it is this new thing, but it, it feels like the Ruby is more of a, a community and a church body than it was before COVID. Um, it, it just feels, people feel more connected that there are, it's not just people who come and sit in the chair that have to go to school nearby, that there are relationships and conversations and uh, connections when you walk in, and it's, it's not just this, like, this, like, I don't know, like, stiff feeling. It's more fluid, and it's really, really cool to see. It's very different from the work of it.
That's awesome, Taylor. I, I noticed that too. I, I notice a lot more lingering. And I love that. I love when um, we have to tell people, hey, we, don't, we can't be here anymore. <laughs> Get out of here. I love you. God bless you. Um, and uh, that's always really cool. I just see people talking, and, which is so simple. You know, humans just interacting with each other. But at church, a lot of times it is come and go. And so that's, that's, that is cool. What else? Yeah. Hey, welcome. Every time I come here, because I just feel so loved by all these strangers. It's like, mm, mm, mm. Um, not to force a church clap on you. That wasn't fair of me. Um, but I, I want to name a miracle when, for no other, for no other reason than, than I would say, the Spirit of God she hears worship happening, is led to tears because she feels loved by a room full of strangers. That's, that doesn't make any sense. But if you've ever felt that, you know exactly, you know that. You know when like God is just sweet to you and you just feel loved and you're like, I don't even know. I, it, it wouldn't make sense if I wrote it down, but it makes a ton of sense to me. And so anyway, thank you, Holy Spirit, that anyone would come in here and sing and feel loved Guys, that's not that's not because like Amanda's so gifted and spirit led, which she totally is. But like we always before our worship are just like Holy Spirit, like we're gonna do our very best, but Holy Spirit, please, please. And so, praise God. That's very cool. That means a lot to us. Tabitha, I was waiting for you. Come on. It was over there. Mm-hmm. Yes. 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 Praise the Lord. Love them. Love it. Always. Come on. Yeah, and thank you to our church family, guys. I mean, I, when we introduce intergenerational, like we live in a compartmentalized kind of society, like the kids are over here, the, the teenagers can go here, the 20-somethings can go here, the singles, the married, blah, blah. And so the kind of the vision of intergenerational ministry was that as a family, we'd worship God and that we'd all learn how to be around crying babies while praying and laughing babies while, while worshiping and that that's all just normal. That's just normal. And God is surrounded by laughing and crying children, you know, and um, it means a lot to us. And thank you to this family for molding to that. I think it was really important. So it's really cool. One or two more, then we'll, we'll wrap up. Actually, I'll, I'll be, oh, we had two come up. This is it. All right, you, you first. I mean, sometimes I feel like I'm being a dead horse by saying this, but like I was really not well with church like when we came back and really 
really was kind of just going through a discipline of it. Um, I just had a lot of years back from where I'm from, just had a lot of moral failure, financial mismanagement, so the church fell apart, it doesn't exist anymore. And just a lot of really profound heartbreak, and I feel like this was the one place I was willing to take the risk and be like, I trust that the leadership won't, you know, destroy itself. Mm -hmm. Um, which is kind of a low bar, but that's where I was at. And um, not only has it like way superseded the bar, but I feel like I'm back on track with the Lord. Mm. Sorry, my mic is on. <laughs> I, I don't know. I just feel finally centered in myself again and not alone spiritually. Yeah, so if you didn't hear that, he said he, he came from a church that just collapsed leadership pretty classic story right now. The ones that get all the publicity, the churches that have scandals or whatever happens and it breaks down and the church is no more. So this was the only church he felt like he'd give a shot in Nashville, uh, just really in a devastated kind of lonely place spiritually and saying that he just feels like he has life again and regained a lot and is in a really good place with God. And we praise God for that. That is amazing. There are. Amen. Yeah, that's awesome. For me, one of the things that's always stood out is just how the people love on each other and strangers are welcome to everyone. I've been coming here for about five years. I was an athlete in college, so there would be times where I would give you the season and I would even show up to church for four months because we'd be playing. And I'd come back four months later and people still know me by name and remember what we were talking about was here four months ago, which is a pretty surprising thing, especially when it's like when you're changing worship services between practices and you're not here for months at a time. And that's a story that I've heard repeated from a lot of people in the conversations that we've had. So that's always what's stood out to me. It's kind of like God knows us intimately and personally, and I feel like people here really take the time to do that with each other as well. Mm. Come on. Thank you. Um, a few weeks ago, guys, come on. Wait. Yes. Yes. All right. Um, I wrote down, I'll just say one of them. A few weeks ago, I had a whole big old sermon ready. And in our pre-worship gathering, I felt really prompted to like throw it out, which is not my thing. I like being spontaneous, but not when I got a full sermon ready. It's like, no, I got to use this when I can. I'm ready today. <laughs> but uh, but I, I threw it out and we just prayed for salvation. And from that day, a girl reached out to me, turned in a baptism card. Gave, like she had given her life to Jesus and wanted to follow in obedience to believers' baptism. And so at some point we're gonna be on that porch maybe in the dead of winter, but the water's gonna be warm and we're gonna baptize someone from that Sunday. And I just wanna testify, like praying for salvation and then seeing it is different. That's different. That's like, all right, like, thank you, God. And it was funny because after that Sunday, my campus pastor from the cannery called and said, we had two people come and say they wanted to like be saved, like straight up, I don't believe in Jesus and I want to. And I was like, Lord, we were praying from the ruby, not the cannery. Like, we so close though. Like, we're happy, but like, did you hear where we were praying from? You know what I mean? And then, uh, and then a week later, this baptism card is on my desk coming into work, and I just started crying. It was just so cool. So thank you, God. Um, all right, I've asked a lot of you participation-wise, and I'm not done yet. Uh, so every year on our birthday, instead of like getting gifts, um, we, we try to give it away. And so 100% of what's given on our birthday is given away. It does not go to ethos. And so we wanna play a video and then we're gonna pass around some baskets and you'll watch the video and see what you can do. Um, all right, does that make sense? So watch this video. I'll come back up, lead us through it and uh, we'll wrap up here, guys. All right, and so uh, if you don't know this, uh, Ethos Church, we're really um, 
plugged into the church planning world. Um, and over the years, we've been able just to build relationships with real people. Like they're really our friends that we like, have, they've come over here, we've went over there, we've slept in the same house as their families. Like we're, we're friends, we're good friends. And they love Jesus. And so if you wanna know more, I don't quite have the time window here to tell you more, but I would love to give you more information. Or you can go to ethoschurch.org slash birthday. For now, Sarah, are we passing around baskets? Is that what we're doing? All right, so we're gonna pass baskets around. I know cash really isn't a thing anymore because it's not really accepted anywhere. But if you're led to give, we're gonna pass around these baskets. Good? Cool. And then online. So you can go to ethosgive.org right now if you wanna pull out your phone and you can designate the, de uh, the designated toward birthday 2021. I know this feels awkward. We're a little more bold about you giving um, when it's not going to us. And so we're gonna take like two minutes, pass around a basket. If you're led to pull out your phone and give to this, if you wanna know more, um, you can come see me. I always like this part because I can see some people feeling awkward. Like do I pull up my phone and get on Twitter, but kind of like, act like I'm typing something so people think I'm giving. It's all good. You guys don't have to be nervous. It's all good. Right? Yes. Thank you. Um, and after we've done this part, you can actually um, grab the communion cup that was under your chair. If you wrote on this cute little polka dot, don't forget to turn it into the mailbox. All right, on your way out. But for now, guys, what a Sunday. We can stand while holding the communion. I'll lead us through this part. So when you're ready, go ahead and stand up. We'll take communion together.